welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I'm Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? Fucking hell. Oh, man. Um, no, I'm doing fine, but I was just quoting Constance Wu's Twitter. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, because uh, I started to tell you you weren't uh, aware of this um, because you uh, have a different Twitter than I do. Um, That's true. You live in a different internet than I do. Um, you know what? I'm not super happy with mine either. Yeah, so. oh, yeah it's terrible. Um, <clears throat> they're all terrible. Um, the internet was a mistake. Uh, but, with, uh, with the exception of one small sliver called battleship pretension yeah, you're listening to it yeah um <laughs> so constance Wu was on the television program fresh off the boat okay and i'm guessing that when she signed like most actors especially if they're not already famous probably signed a seven-year contract mm-hmm. um the the show was on the bubble it got it got picked up i think for a sixth season which is time flies um and her first reaction was to tweet fucking hell <laughs> And then one of her fans like tweeted at her like, congratulations on the renewal. It's great news. And she replied, no, it's not. Oh, boy. Um, she since deleted those tweets and sort of uh, apologized, um, which we'll get into the apology later. Uh, here's the thing. I understand after Crazy Rich Asians, she's probably had to turn down. Oh, sure. Movie offers. She's probably she's ready for the next stage of her career yeah. and this show getting renewed when it wasn't expected to probably just fucked up a lot of plans for her. Right. I have no problem with her being upset mm-hmm. about this at all. It's maybe a little thoughtless to be so public about it when like people, you know, who aren't on the verge of becoming huge movie stars, right. Just found out they, they're not losing their jobs, you know? And I think there's, you know, cause I have a friend or a friend of Natalie's who works on Brooklyn nine, nine, mm-hmm. you know? And so that show getting rescued yeah. by, I don't know. It was either on NBC and now it's on Fox or the other way around. I have I no idea. I think the other um, way around, but I don't know. Um, uh, that was great. That was a huge load off her. She mm-hmm. was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. And then a couple weeks later she was like, ah, I've got a job for at least another, yeah. another year. Like, it's a big deal. And Constance, we probably should have thought about that before being so public. Sure. There's nothing, but there's nothing wrong with the way she feels. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's fine. Uh, it, yeah. People don't have to be, I don't know why we, we don't need people to be, I don't know. It's, it's like people always want to assume that the, that they'd be best friends with the people in their favorite band or whatever. Sure. You probably wouldn't be. Oh, I have it, no, I, I know that I wouldn't be best friends with most of the people that I admire. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, whose work you admire. Sure. Let's say you can, you don't have to, that said, um, oh, sorry. Did I, do you have any thoughts on this Just before I move into the apology, which was, it's tough because yes, on one hand, the show affects more than her. And so like, sorry that it got in the way of your whole thing, but you'll probably be fine. Hey, don't get me wrong. Sometimes like when you're on the verge, if, if things go a, a different way, then that's the closest you get to being like an actual star. Like if, if she has to turn down too much because of this thing, right. Then that could be a problem. This could be a, you know, Mike and Molly or something like that, which is what Melissa McCarthy was locked into for a while. And then her, her movie career started blowing up, but she was still committed to it. Um, but at the same time, I do think that there's something to be said. I don't know. It's, I, this is going to sound presumptuous of me and certainly judgmental, but it's just something I've been thinking about in my life and everyone else's as well. But it's most important for me to be thinking about it in terms of my life, like being having gratitude for what has come about, you know, it's very easy for me to look at the things that I don't have. And some of them are notable and, and the things that have, or like the lesser version of what I could have had, whatever it is. But, you know, I look around in my life and I think like, wow, this is, this is pretty great. Like however many years ago, five, six years ago, I never would have thought I'd have any number of things that I have going for me right now. And it's very exciting to think, about that. And when you're, when you feel gratitude, there is a tendency to look at the people that helped you get to this point and feel excited about them and and grateful towards them. Um, and so I do think that 
at the same time, fresh off the boat is one of the things, maybe the chief thing besides, you know, uh, crazy rich Asians, um, that there was something else, right? I think that I think there was something else something you, else you can look from, it up, but, yeah. um, but I feel like, you know, there, it doesn't hurt to recognize that. Yes, it, it might suck to be a part of this show, but at the same time, this show is why you are able to do other things. And if it means another year or two of your time, because once your contract is up, you can then leave and that's fine. But I don't know. It just, I think there's something to be said for being grateful to the thing that started you off, um, and got you cast in the other stuff. Um, obviously it can become an anchor and it can keep you from, from going where you want to go right now. And that is unfortunate, but I do feel like there's a, an inherent lack of gratitude in, in that. Um, yeah, I can't, but she can feel what she wants to feel. That's fine. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I have no problem with her feeling that. Um, but I do, t- uh, yeah, I can't think of what I knew her from before. Um, she did one episode of children's hospital, but I feel like that can't be right. Uh, uh, probably, I don't know. Anyway. Um, so, but the thing you, you said about thinking about what you don't have and more instead of what you do have, mm-hmm. that's something I think about all the time Yeah, is trying because, um, I was reading this article about how, how many people in this country making hugely vastly different amounts of money yeah. think of themselves as middle class. Sure. And according this shocked, this number is even lower than I thought this shocked even me, but according to the Pew research center, just in terms of the average American income, mm-hmm. a, a household with fewer than two with one children and no children. Okay. Where the household income is like 136,000 a year. Okay. That's upper middle class. Oh, all right. Um, that, which I think like there are people who make 250 to $300,000 a year and don't think of themselves as, as upper sure. class because they know people who are richer than that yeah. uh, or upper, upper middle class because they know people who are richer than they are, you yeah. know? Um, and obviously like we, that's nationwide here in Los Angeles, $140,000 is not going to get sure. you as far uh, sure. a year, but still there are people below the poverty level in, in Los Angeles. Um, uh, so I guess it helps. This is a, a, so many people, you know, keeping up with the Joneses, all that stuff. So many people compare themselves to their neighbor who has the nicer blah, blah, right. blah. But I think spend more time thinking about the person on the other side of town, on the other side of the world who has so much less, you know, be, I, I don't know. I tend to feel very grateful, but then also because I'm Catholic, I also tend to feel, feel guilty. And then I give money to charity and there's nothing wrong with that. But then I start thinking, Oh, is it lazy of me to just give money? Should I volunteer more? Anyway, it's tough because there it's, of course it's more than just material possessions. It's, it's other stuff as well. And if you don't, if you do have something, there's no, you can be grateful for it. Um, and even in the way you're grateful, it's tough. Cause I don't want to be somebody who, when someone else, you know, father's day is coming up and I haven't had a father in a while. And so, you know, yeah. to put it that way, but, uh, and you have a father-in-law as I do, I have a father-in-law. Yes. Yes. Yeah. There, um, there, Cause there was a little while there where I would like literally kind of forget about father's day. Now that I yeah. have a father-in-law, I guess uh, there's you know, that. I, I, I think about it again, but, but he's yeah. also, geographically close yes exactly yeah Yeah. mine lives in minnesota um and so it's a and i have tried very hard to not be bitter like on like it on facebook like the last couple of years like mother's day and father's day have become like a huge thing it's just like one photo after another of this person with their mother or father which makes sense it's mother's day and father's day yeah uh and there are times when i just look at that i was like i I can't, I can't post that, you know, it's, or, or if I do, is it, will, if I do and mention that he's gone, yeah. does that look like I'm asking for sympathy on a day that everybody else is celebrating? Oh, I, think I think people will be happy. Right. And Cause so, I've definitely done that on father's day. Back when I was still using Instagram, which I have stopped using right, Instagram. Yeah. yeah. Um, mental health reasons. Okay. Did, yeah. Did not make me feel good about myself. Instagram. Um, Makes sense. whereas Twitter, is also awful. Yeah. But Twitter is something that I feel like happens parallel to my real life. So it doesn't sure. really affect me. I can read Twitter and like get mad or whatever. And then I can just like turn around and go back to work or whatever. Yeah. Whereas Instagram is more tied up in my actual life, I think, or That's was when I was using it. So I, I kind of had to stop using it. Um, 
but yeah, I when I was on Instagram, I used to do that. I used to post old pictures yeah. on Father's Day of me and my dad. I never, yeah. I, I, never, I don't think anyone was ever like, oh, we get it. Yeah, and it's <laughs> and it's and it's yeah. So like, there when comparing yourself to other people, but also taking into account what other people might think. There's nothing like it's one thing to try to be like, well, I don't want to offend anybody or I, I don't I want to be accommodating. I want to take other people into account. But I do think that uh, I feel like there's there's a bad way to be gracious uh, or sorry, there's there's like a bad way to be grateful. There's a bad way. There's bad ways to be good and good ways to be bad, oddly yeah. enough. And it's uh, so even in the larger thing of what we're talking about, a bit of of her being grateful for this thing uh pardon's like yeah but even then there's she could be like oh i'm so glad that my show is picked up and then someone could be like yeah it must be good for you i'm so happy for you your show got picked <laughs> up because then it could look like a humble brag so like i do wonder if if when you're in the spotlight like that if she, she any reaction that's true yeah, yeah. that's there's always an yeah. option that's it could also be like congratulations thank you and there it is yeah that's about it there you go um, um but her apology is uh, was not satisfying oh, to you right. apparently so the other thing i was going to say about um that i was just thinking of today because my my dog uh, has had some foot problems she's fine but I've, we've had to go to the vet a number of times mm-hmm. recently um sometimes unexpectedly and that's another thing i try to think about not that i'm rich or anything but the fact that I have a job where I can call my boss and say, Hey, I'm going to be in an hour, hour and a half late. Cause I have to go to the vet. Yeah. And my boss is like, cool. Thanks for telling me. Yeah. Whereas if great. I work retail or in like the restaurant industry, I got like, get somebody to cover for me. It's like, yeah, people, when people are people not having money is not having as much money is not. It's cause I've been broke. I've never really been, I, I you know, people differentiate between broke and poor. Cause I always, sure. probably, there was always a light at the end of the tunnel for me. I always had a support system, but I've definitely been broke in my life. And when you're broke, it's not just that you don't have the money to do things. It's that everything that anything sudden is an emergency. And yes. It's devastating. You know, yes. if you suddenly need your brakes fixed, that's going to fuck up your month. Yeah. You know, whereas now I can get my brakes fixed. And so I try to, I try to think about that. Okay. Yes. Her apology. It was going well for a while. Okay. <laughs> this going apology. along in a steady clip. Yeah. And, 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 and she was saying, you know, here's what I had going on. Here's why I was frustrated. And then she said something about, uh, I'm trying to think exactly how she phrased it. Um, she said, just, uh, I, I apologize, but I hope that you people can remember to believe women, blah, blah, blah. And a bunch of people are immediately like, hold up. <laughs> That's not what is going on here. And that phrase has become so atti- attached to the Me Too movement yeah. and about like rape and sexual assault. What that, was she trying to say? I, I guess that she was saying, I think she was trying to say, um, trust me enough to know that I had my reasons for being upset. I think is what she's trying to say, but I feel like she chose the phrasing. That is a a very specific phrase. Yes. And, um, so that definitely pissed off a lot of people, uh, understand, understandably. So that, that phrase, you know, when we're, when we're talking about, you know, Dr. Christine Ford on one hand, um, and, and, and her nightmare of a story. And then you're talking about, Constance Wu getting dragged on Twitter. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I know. I, I believe women. Yes, I do. But, like, be careful how you're wielding these yeah. <laughs> these terms that, that have come to mean so much, so much more. There's a. <coughs> this is a, this is going to be a long way to go to get to where I need to get. But uh, on Community, there's this wonderful moment. The, the character of the Dean, played by. Uh, uh, oh my gosh, now his name escapes me character's name is greg pelton that's what i was about to, is craig pelton but that's what i was about to say um wait what? jim rash jim rash oh, okay uh he's great on the show and so there's this scene where uh uh this character played by yvette nicole brown she's going to get remarried oh, to her avengers husband. endgame that's her yes yeah. yes uh the secret star <laughs> uh stealth star is what i should say um anyway so 
she's going to go get remarried, but she's getting wrapped up in, in starting a new business with Chevy Chase, who's who's starting the business for his own reason. So they sign the contract and he's like, ha look at me now, dad. And so then and she goes, dad, oh, my gosh, I'm supposed to get uh, she's like, I'm supposed to get remarried to the to the father of my children. She runs away and the dean's there and goes that was an odd dot to connect and just, and that phrase, that was an odd dot to connect. That's, that was the first place my mind went like, believe all women. What? Yeah. You just got renewed for your show. How is it? Yeah. So, uh, Constance Wu, I still am a big fan of her. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know that I'm going to subscribe to her newsletter. Uh, let me, tell, let me tell you about tweakedaudio.com, right? All right. Tweakedaudio.com is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look great. They sound great. Tyler and I use them each and every day of our lives. Today, what was I listening to? Um, oh, new music from Jarvis Cocker oh, okay. uh, of, of, of Pulp. Someone you know who that is. I do know who that is, yes. <laughs> yeah, I feel like most of the time... You don't know who I'm talking about. That's on, true. Yeah. On these. But yeah, there's a uh, new music from Jarvis Cocker. It was, um, self-deprecating and rye, uh, as always, the name, of, the name of the song is must I evolve. Uh, that's a very Jarvis Cocker type of sentiment. Uh, sounded great on my tweaked audio.com earbuds. Um, those are available at a low, low price at tweaked But if you use the offer code pretension at checkout, you get one third off that low, low price and no shipping charges. So go to tweaked and use the offer code pretension. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Tyler, yes. Let's, let's get into it, shall we? Okay. This is. Uh, I feel like this episode is either going to be over in twenty minutes or two and a half hours. You know, depending on where the conversation goes. Let's let's shoot for uh-huh. closer to twenty minutes. Uh, I'm very tired. Uh, oh yeah, right. Um, but uh, you know, I think uh, there's a number of things I can't exactly tell you where this firmed up in my mind. Oh, you know what it was? I think the thing that really firmed it up was I saw that movie. Sunset truck at the contemporary Iranian right. weekend of or two weekends of contemporary contemporary Iranian film at the UCLA Film and Television Archive Go Bruins, um, <laughs> uh, and I was thinking about like I don't know anything about this movie going in like I don't know if it's supposed to be good it was kind of just fine but I realized like the reason that I was going to see it was more to expose myself to a cinema that I don't generally sure. see you know you, when we see Iranian cinema it's the art house cinema you know mm-hmm. to see sort of a mainstream iranian sort of dramedy um i was like this will be uh, a, a window into uh, another world and it, and it and it reminded me of going back to last year um there was a documentary uh called john McEnroe in the realm of in the realm of perfection mm-hmm. and that was assembled uh, i talked about in the podcast i don't think you ever got a chance to see it right no, no uh, yeah. i think you'd like it um uh, I don't know if you take my recommendations. <laughs> it's a call back to the movie journal. Um, but the movie is assembled entire, entirely of footage that was shot for to to be used as instruction on how to play tennis. Mm-hmm. There was a, a filmmaker and he this is he was a filmmaker whose his career was as a filmmaker, but what he did was he shot film of tennis stars in tournaments right. and used them to make use that footage to make how to play tennis tutorials and instructional Mm -hmm. short films. Um, and I was thinking about the fact that like, so those would never, those aren't those films that he shot were meant to be shown it in what, like classrooms or homes or they weren't meant for the cinema, but it is filmmaking. Mm -hmm. Is it cinema is the next question. And if not, and this is what I'm getting at, what are the possible uses? What usefulness does film have outside of being cinematic. Yeah. Uh, so when you describe this to me, like I think I still like 
when I made my list of things to talk about, it is all over the place. Yeah. Some of it, some of it, I think fits with what you're talking Mine's about. Mine's in my head, but it's also yeah. But that's what I want. Some I want of, to go some of it over. Some of it overlaps with an episode we did ages ago about unintended themes. The idea of like okay. the movie's trying to do this, and it does that. But I myself am also taking away this other thing. And sometimes it's something very oh. small and specific. Other times it's like you didn't mean to teach me this. And yet this is my takeaway. Well, now you're reminding me of a movie I talked about in the movie journal a few months ago, a documentary called Cuba and the cameraman Mm -hmm. in which the guy's documenting Cuba for pretty much the entirety of Fidel, Fidel Castro's rule. He kept going back to remember we talked about this and this guy, despite what he is seeing as a result of Castro's rule, cannot give up fully on his leftist 60s idealism. He still, he understands a little bit, but he's still kind of, idolizes Castro. Yeah. And the fact that I think that this guy is politically obtuse. Yeah. Doesn't mean that the movie isn't interesting. In fact, it becomes more interesting in ways other than he intended. Right. Because of his obtuseness. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's a subcategory. That, that is a version of what I wanted to talk about here. What I was thinking about more in terms of documentaries, often there are documentaries, um, like, I don't know why this one left to mind. Because the one that Katie Couric produced, Fed Up, about sugar. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. I was like, I watched it and I was like, this isn't great cinema. Yeah. But I learned a lot about the science sure. of food. Like, this, move, this, this, this movie had a purpose, you know? Yeah. I, 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 I know <laughs> I, I know more than I knew, you know? And, um, yeah, I also could have read that in an article, but... Everything doesn't have to be an article. Mm-hmm. A movie could be an article instead of uh, instead of cinema. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Um, and uh, I, I just feel like as I get, I don't know. I, I talked about this on the recent Patreon episode. Subscribe to the Patreon. Patreon.com slash Battleship Pretension. Um, about how I feel like my tastes in movies keep getting every year getting more. I don't know, a little bit esoteric, maybe abstract. Like, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I would, uh, uh, pat myself on the back and say refined, maybe. Sure. but I don't know. Like, and I started to realize sometimes I'll watch a documentary like the one last year seeing all red about Gloria all red. Mm-hmm. I'll watch a documentary that I'm like, Oh, I learned a lot of interesting things about Gloria all red. But then there's a part of, there's the, the film's not part of my brain that's going, but was it good cinema? And I was like, no, but that doesn't mean I didn't get something out of it. Right. And so, uh, years ago, um, in, I think it was 2012, uh, during the Republican primary. Um, I remember it's, it's something he said every once in a while. So Newt Gingrich has been a politician for years and has like various organizations on the side. And he has one that produces docu like historical documentaries. And, and it's it's very much just the kind of maybe even sub history channel talking head just talking to historians probably not that visually interesting or cinematically interesting uh but i remember in a couple of speeches he would be referencing something in the past uh and then he he mentioned that like he goes you know we actually made a movie about this and then he references the movie and my first thought was like did you <laughs> did you make a movie about this and and as time has gone on it's like tyler he didn't make a narrative film uh-huh. he made a documentary it probably is not that dynamic of a documentary but it is a movie right he's considering it a movie he's trying to communicate something he's doing it you know all the things that make a movie went into it yeah it doesn't it it might not be an effective movie but it is still a movie and so then but then if i and i didn't i hadn't watched any of them but uh if i were to watch something and get at least some information out of it, it's like he's not Again, I haven't seen them. These might be amazing. Yeah. They're not. I'm just saying right now they can't be. But his goal is not necessarily, is probably not to challenge. His goal is to inform about Mm -hmm. this certain event in history. And if he does that, then mission accomplished. Uh, But yeah, it's not going to, it likely would not make my list of, uh, of, you know, year end. Um, I I reviewed a a Blu-ray, um, the name of which I can't 
well, it's about Ayn Rand, and uh, I forget who put it out, but I, I reviewed a Blu-ray for the site, and hmm. it's a documentary, and it was nominated for Best Documentary in, like, 1997, and it's it's the oh, most, it's, and in my review, I basically said, like, this is informative. Mm-hmm. I have no idea why this thing was nominated for Best Documentary. It's it's just the most cookie-cutter, boring thing, and maybe documentaries in the 90s were this way, but I know they weren't. Crumb yeah. came out in the 90s. Yeah. You know, Dreams. Hoop Dreams came out in the 90s. Yeah. And so... It's it's I, I part of me wonders if it's a certain snobbishness snobbishness that where it's like this is not it is a movie, but it's not cinematic, but it's not trying to be cinematic. It's just trying to be this other thing. And so I should just judge it based on that. But then part of me feels like, yeah, but there are plenty of movies that, are, you know, JFK is one of the most informative movies you'll ever see. And that is undeniably cinematic. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not a documentary, but in many ways it might as well be. Um, um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's, I, I get what you're saying. Very few of the movies that I, that I, now that this is the conversation we're having, very few of the movies in my list here. This is what I fall into to say, it, but, but I feel like sometimes what I say the when I try to describe yeah. the episode to you or the topic to you because okay. this happened with the white collar, yes, uh, yes. But uh, but to me, I don't think that's a problem because it then ends up expanding the discussion, right. which I like. Um, but uh, let's talk about something because you can watch some of these on 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 YouTube, mm-hmm. and there uh, there's a lot of YouTube as a sort of. Uh, poor man's archive. Sure. You know, and, and, and a lot of stuff you'll get to get people post it. Cause it's funny. There's like the, um, is it Carlos jr or Hardee's that has the whole like song about cool drinks? Uh, <laughs> it's like literally, it's like a training video. Oh, okay. I uh, don't remember about, uh, about cool drinks. Um, or there's the like, uh, um, so that that's that's instructional. Then there's like the Appalachian State is hot, hot, hot video. Do you know that one? That's like a uh, that's promotional. It's a marketing, right? Um, and it has value because people like to laugh at it, I guess. Mm-hmm. But um, it's all these things are filmmaking. Yeah, you know. And you talked about like things not making your year end <laughs> sure. list or whatever. Yeah. And like sometimes I wonder, am I too? Uh, rigid in my list. Like, could I, I, I don't think so because uh, years ago, back when, when Vine still existed, we had Vine stars, Alana Forsyth and Clinton Ferris Mm -hmm. on the podcast. And like, what would it like, would it have been incorrect of me to put, one of their vines on my, I'd venture to to say yes, but it's filmmaking. It is filmmaking. Yeah. But I don't think it's a film. Okay. You know, so if you're making a list, if you're making a list of the top 10 things, uh, you can absolutely do that. Uh, if you're making a list of the top 10 films, I think not, but I do think honestly, I'm more on board with you than it sounds, Yeah, which is, you know, I think as you get older, this is something we've talked about with like Spielberg and his attitudes, his attitude towards Netflix. Um, as you get older, it's very tempting, uh, maybe even not, maybe not even tempting. It might not even be conscious. Um, to just get very rigid and very um, specific in your definition of things, and often your definition of what makes a movie, what it, you know, whatever it is, uh, it tends to coincide with what a movie was when you were a formative age. Um, and I do think that I consider myself very fortunate that I am the age that I am because I'm fairly internet savvy, fairly tech savvy, but I also remember a time when it wasn't what it is now, Okay, which means because if I were, I think maybe 10 years older and certainly older than that, I think I would be, le- I'd be more inclined to dismiss anything that is uh, online, like any kind of like YouTube video or something okay. like that. And, you know, and I still feel it every once in a while, like when I talk to my middle schoolers at the beginning of the year and ask like, how many of you want to be filmmakers? And then a number of them said they wanted to be YouTubers. Mm -hmm. And my first thought was like, Oh, and I thought, yeah, but there's still a lot of craft that goes into YouTube videos. Um, at least the ones that that have craft. Um, and so like that was, that was like the, the, a knee jerk reaction to, Oh, this thing that came about 
after I be, I got into movies. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's to interrupt for just a second. Yeah, that's why I wanted to have a lot Alana and Clayton on the show is because vine. I really miss vine because mm-hmm. vine was really fascinating in yeah. that it was, it seems so small because six yeah. seconds, but people were doing maybe even more so than on YouTube, real filmmaking on yeah. Vine. There was a real sense of editing and framing and jokes that depended on editing and framing. Yeah. It was, uh, Vine was so rich, so bountiful. I, uh, I really, I really do miss Vine. And from a comedic standpoint, like it, it almost forced comedians to boil things down to, okay, what is the, what is the essence of funny? You know, our friend Jason Nash w- got to be a star on, on yeah. Vine. And I still, to this day, my favorite, one of my favorite things is when his character, like the sensitive dad. Uh-huh. And so it's, and it's just him ducking his Julia. Yeah. It's him knocking on his daughter's door. goes, mom said you you've got your period. You want to talk about it? And it's like, which is, and that's it. That's the whole video. And it's, and it's um, perfect. I like, uh, well, a couple more Jason Nash. The one he did where he was like, Julia, uh, uh, I joined Snapchat. I'm Drew Carey fan 29. <laughs> uh, um, uh, and I also like the waiter who over explains how tapas, how tapas works. Okay. And he's like, he's like, uh, he's like, okay. Oh, so the octopus, there's four of you. You're going to want seven of those. <laughs> uh, anyway. Yeah. It's, you know, it, I think, I think acknowledging, the limitations or one could say restrictions um, or to put it in uh, fancy movie terms, obstructions yeah. um, of these various format. And thus the, it, the thing that the filmmaker has to try to overcome or work within, you know, that's, that is filmmaking a lot of the time. Yeah. And so I do think that it's, it's important to look at these videos and, and, recognize whatever artistry there is in there. And this actually reminds me of something. Uh, I got into a, not so much an argument on Facebook, but certainly a discussion. Um, I have been uh, having now watched Battleship Potemkin a few times in the last few years. Mm -hmm. And when you're, when you're lecturing about it, it forces you to boil things down because you're not going to, because I'm not in a position to do like a two hour lecture about the film. Uh, but I can talk about it for 15 minutes and why it's important as a landmark of editing, but also propaganda. And one of the things that I talk about is, okay, so and ta- in, in, we watch the whole movie, but then we look at like the Odessa step sequence just cause it's iconic. And there's a lot of things you can point to. It's like, okay, so what are we seeing in this? And the students talk about, you know, we see like the crowds, we see people's faces, we see the baby carriage, blah, blah, blah. And I said, what do we not see? And there's usually a silence. And then someone says the soldiers. Mm. And it's like, Oh, but we do see the soldiers. And then we get a bit more specific. We don't see their faces. We see their boots. Mm-hmm. We see their shadows. We see their guns. We don't see their faces. I was like, why do we not see their faces? And then someone said, cause the director doesn't want us to think of them as people. It's like, you're correct. Yes. Mm-hmm. And like, it's the kind of thing that because we're not seeing it, it's, you know, film and, and I would say art in general out of sight, out of mind, you know, but it's still having that impact. We're seeing the victims all day long, but we're not seeing the, the soldiers. Don't get me wrong. It's not like we would sympathize with the soldiers, but Hey, if you have one soldier and his, and the actor playing him has a slightly worried expression or a guilty expression, mm-hmm. suddenly the issue suddenly now we're thinking about the soldiers as individuals. And like, that's, we can't have that. There's a propaganda film. We need that side to look 100% inhuman. And so this idea of, so it got me thinking about larger issues of like media literacy and specifically what am I, what is not included in a photo, in a, in a, in a news story, in an article. And so there was an article put out by Newsweek about the number of gun deaths of children since Sandy Hook. And, you know, you read it and it's tragic, of course. But as I was reading it, it just kept saying death by guns. 
it didn't say shooting. It didn't say homicide. It didn't say homicide. Didn't say suicide. And it didn't say accident. It just said oh, okay. guns. Now, don't get me wrong. All of those are tragic, yeah. and you can still you can still use all of them to make an argument in favor in favor of gun control. But it's one of those but things. By invoking like, Sandy Hook, they're trying to make you think of a killer coming in and shooting exactly. kids. They could have said the year, whatever it is. But no, they said Sandy Hook without ever actually trying to you like. You latched onto it the minute I said it, mm-hmm. because if you'll pardon me, you're a critic and you and you <laughs> analyze this kind of thing. Uh-huh. Like they invoke that first. You you and I even use the same word invoke, which uh-huh. is fun. Uh, they use that, and then it's all and then it's all raw statistics. And so we as consumers of media are trained to make that connection even the and then but the 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 writer himself can claim like plausible deniability he's like well i never said that and it's like that's fine but you did but you implied it like what's included and what's excluded are extremely important and so uh so the argument i got was got in was actually i was making an argument about the way the article was presented other people were taking it as like a gun control thing. I'm like, I'm not saying that. No, I'm saying it's this still is an important. argument. It's still a good argument for gun control. Sure. Uh, that's fine. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. Yeah. But you were just talking about the context of the article. And yeah, this I, idea, it's like, if you are convinced of the righteousness of your argument, then more, de- then you shouldn't be afraid of giving detail instead of just steering people in this direction or that. And so oddly enough, because, but like, because solely because of the way that we analyze film and the way that I've been analyzing Battleship Potemkin, um, that has like, that's a lesson that I've gotten out of that film, but not necessarily because that's what he was trying to do only because of conversations I've been having. Um, so I know that right, doesn't so, uh, fit with what we're talking no, about. No, because this, you made me think of something else that doesn't really fit, but that okay. is fascinating because it's almost the opposite. And you mentioned propaganda. So propaganda and marketing commercials. Sure which I think are forms of filmmaking that actually do use cinema, mm-hmm. but to an end other than just pure artistic enjoyment or whatever, you know, even, and the, even the emotionally like, resonant ones, like it's still for a, a reason. Yeah. I mean, like, um, I, I took a class in film school on propaganda and we watched, um, I wish I had taken, that um, class. not, uh, not Olympia, uh, trying for the will. We watched mm-hmm. trying for the will. um, and Leonard even saw knew what she was doing with the camera. She yeah. knew what she was doing in the editing room. Like it, it's, it's, it's powerful filmmaking. Um, and, uh, if, if you think about commercials, you know, commercials in some ways embrace, uh, experimental techniques that maybe yeah. like things go from like, experimental avant-garde type film often into like commercials and music videos and then work their way into the mainstream a lot of times. Mm. But I have trouble. I can't really enjoy commercials because I'm the, you know, I'm the punk rocker at heart and I'm mad that they're like trying to trick me or sell things uh, to me. But uh, I wish there were, I like, I, I, maybe I should try to enjoy commercials from a filmmaking perspective point of view um i don't know do you have any thoughts on propaganda or well yeah i mean it's it's like jen and i as we watch there's we don't watch a lot of tv which means we don't watch a lot of commercials but we watch survivor and amazing race which means we you know which is always interesting because like okay we're not only watching commercials we're watching cbs commercials (laughs) so what is so it's like all right this is geared towards people that are usually like 20 to 30 years older than we are um But, uh, but we do find ourselves commenting on like a, what is an effective commercial, what isn't. Um, and then we immediately start talking about, start talking about why, because Jen's a photographer. So she tends to think visually. And then I think like, I tend to think structurally. Um, and the ones that are the most, have been the most effective for us are the ones that, uh, sort of latch onto a certain nostalgia. There was one about, uh, and this one worked more for her than for me because it was about Barbie. Um, and it hmm. showed like clips from ver- of, from commercials throughout the ages showing little girls play with Barbies, like in the 1950s or sixties. Um, I don't remember how old Barbie is, but anyway, and so just showing that and showing like the evolution of the doll itself, but then the idea and, and the realization like, Oh, these little girls, and this is not what the this is not what the commercial does. It could have um, that, like, oh, the little girls playing with Barbie when they were kids in the 
forties or fifties. Now their daughters and granddaughters now play Mm -hmm. with Barbie, but they just show it through the ages. And so you see the evolution, but what it's also saying is like, look how long this toy has been around, you know? And so invariably, and Jen had the same thought, like she had this thought, like when it got to her era, when you saw stuff from like the eighties and early nineties, she's like, Oh yeah. Like, and by showing it, you know, it's invoking it for all these different generations and each one of them, when they see them, they're, they're seeing themselves. And so it's really effective and it, and it feels like, you know, because kids aren't watching this commercial. It's for an, ad- it's for adults who absolutely are like, will will think I want my daughter oh, to wow. have this feeling the way I did. I want to connect with her on that level. And, you know, it's a very effective idea because it taps into, something deeper than the product it taps into this time in your life when this product like any other product was important and don't you want your family to have that as well and it's it's tough because you know they're trying to sell a they're trying to sell a product which is fine but in, but they realize we've got the history we don't have to sell the product we can sell the feeling associated with the product and that'll do the that'll do the job and so that it was a bit of filmmaking that like was soup. It was, I recognize that it was effective, but for Jen, Mm. it was way more effective. Yeah. Do you know, um, I think the only commercial I've ever cried at maybe more, I think we've talked about this before, at least off mic. I can't Mm. remember, but do you remember there was a Super Bowl commercial a few years ago for Coca-Cola that was just, I'm already emotional. It was America the Beautiful sung in a bunch of different languages. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm getting emotional just thinking about it. (laughs) Like I would never would have thought that like a soda company, would be the thing that would like get right to the heart of what I think is great about this country. Uh, but, but it's, I, but it's I, Coke, you yeah, know, like it's, I got it's so emotional. It's as American yeah. as like apple pie or any of that. Like, yeah, only, only. And that's the other thing is like, it shows, I know that we need to get away from commercials, but like it's, it shows a brand like the, the, the marketing people that either work within the company or they're outside and work with the company. Like you need to understand what your brand is like, you know, Sprite isn't going to make that mm-hmm. only Coke, not even Pepsi. Only Coke can make that commercial, you know, just like Barbie can only Barbie can make that or like Barbie and GI Joe. That's yeah. essentially it. Um, yeah. You know, and similarly, there's what a is Pepsi's commercial <clears throat> identity. I feel oh, like they have one now. Well, I feel like Pepsi, but I mean, over the years, I feel like the only thing, when I think about Pepsi commercials, I think about, well, that must've cost them a lot of money. <laughs> like, sure. Yeah, seems, yeah. It always, always like big stars yeah. or stunts. Uh, yeah. Ray know? Charles is, uh, is one. Yeah. Carson Daly. They uh, have, uh, <laughs> I think Cuba Gooding Jr. When there was like Pepsi, but there was also Michael J. Fox and Michael Jackson. When we yeah. were kids did, uh, Beyonce did a Pepsi commercial. Yeah. Um, didn't she? Beyonce did a Pepsi commercial. I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, these days, they actually. You want to talk about their identity? I saw this Super Bowl commercial. It's is is Pepsi okay? Yeah. Or you know, is Pepsi? Yeah, is Pepsi fine? Whatever it is. Um, and no, it was okay because they yeah. used Little John and Cardi B, right? Both of whom, both of whose catchphrases are various variations on the word "okay." That's why yeah. they used. Yeah. And so I feel like that's pretty brilliant. Because that is Pepsi knows that you will order a Coke and even if you and you don't care if you get Pepsi or not, you know, yeah, you just want the you want the cola flavor. Yeah. But your first instinct is to say Coke. And so by playing into that, yeah. this idea, it's like, OK, it's better than OK, you know, because there have been other yeah. other variations of oh, that try, commercial. And so I try that, not to do that in life. Like I try not to say Kleenex, yeah. I say tissue instead of Kleenex because yeah. I don't. Again, I'm, I think I'm trying to hang on to some of my punk roots. Um, but yeah, yeah, it does seem to, it's too weird to say cola. I don't drink much soda anymore, right. so it doesn't come up that often. Yeah, but if I like, I if, can't imagine going to a bar and ordering a rum and cola. It's yeah. a rum and coke, yeah, you know, or a Jack and Coke. Sure, you know, if uh, I ordered a, a cola. I feel like that person would be like, sir, get the hell out of my, out of my, I'd say office, uh, out of my restaurant. Um, because it just feels like such a, it feels like the kind of thing someone, 
who was a child before Coke became dominant. Oh, see, to, to me, it feels like you're in like a third rock from the sun type of situation. You're wearing a person suit <laughs> and you're trying to, to mimic. I, yeah, I've heard good things about this cola. Do you have any of that? I would like to buy a big cup of alcohol, please. Um, but yeah, so uh, I feel like we've gotten away from the, the theme of the episode. Um, yeah, I, but, but, I, but I, I, clearly I, I did not show a great understanding of it. So, but it's fine because we're talking about non-cinema forms of filmmaking. I yeah. think that's what it's going to end up okay. being, um, which brings me to another one that I find <laughs> fascinating because a lot of times the things we're talking about that aren't cinema instructional videos, these mm-hmm. sort of things, they're just functional. They're just about getting information across. These documentaries are talking yeah. about just by getting information across. But here's one that is not cinematic and yet is incredibly poured over, at least at the upper levels. Okay. And that's campaign advertising. Sure. Like, you watch campaign ads, and from a movie point of view, these are not good. But they're clearly market-tested and designed to within an inch of their lives to yeah. appeal directly from the from the way the person is standing to the framing yeah. to, to to the juxtaposition of, of things um but they're meant to appeal at different looking at different times of the campaign sometimes oh, right. it's meant to appeal in a primary situation only to yeah. these voters but then they have to make another one that appeals to a larger yeah. market which then demographic as well um which is why bad political campaign ads are some of the funniest things in the okay. world have you Dude. ever seen the uh, what's his name? He's running for ag commissioner. Yeah. <laughs> He's like bragging about illegal contributions on Facebook. Who on earth would support such a dummy? And why? <laughs> I did see that where it's just like, man, you're running for an office that people don't know exists. <laughs> and he's so, so mad angry. about it. <laughs> oh, what is it? I can't remember the guy's name. I don't either, but I remember, I think you and I have talked about dummy. it before. Yeah. And why? And why? <laughs> and it's like a shot of his horse's face for some reason. <laughs> Uh, I forgot all about that. Um, oh man. Yeah. Of course. Immediately I have to go watch that. Um, but, uh, so yeah, I don't, I can't think of a lot of, uh, political ads because so much of it has to do Peterson is Dale Peterson. Um, you know, on an, on a, in the case of a presidential campaign, um, so much of it is about, I mean, attacking one, attacking the other person, yeah, defending you, and in some cases, managing. Like I remember, um, once again in 2012, I remember in the primary, Rick Perry had that snafu where he was he mentioned like the three, not uh, like the three departments that he would cut if he became president, and they said which ones, which ones, and he said two of them, and then like the third one, and it's like, and I felt kind of bad for him because like we've all had that moment. I've had a moment on here when, Oh, sure. When you know exactly what you're going to say. And then suddenly like, I've got nothing. Yeah. And so, or something's come out wrong and I've yeah. edited it out of the podcast. It's happened twice, including once yes. recently. It's, uh, yeah. One was eagle ear listeners. Pay attention. <laughs> you, you won't know. Uh, yeah, because we've, we've got it edited for other reasons too. So just yeah. because you can tell, tell there's an edit, it could be any number. We had to use the bathroom, any number yeah. of things. Um, but yeah, there are twi- twice in the history of the podcast. I've said something <coughs> because I'm supposed to be like a, a, a not an expert, but yeah. people are listening to me from my savant, my movie knowledge. If I say something that's dead wrong about a movie, yeah. like just like if I insist that uh, Jeff Bridges was in Titanic or something like that, right. which is not one of them, um, I'm just going to edit it out. I'm yeah. allowed to do that. Yeah. There have been times, I believe I did it last week where you said, Oh, I think so-and-so directed that. And I said, yes, wait, I don't know. <laughs> like, why did I say it so definitively? Yeah. I absolutely, I have well, an, I, I have me. a thought. It's cause you but, trust me. Yeah. Um, and because like, you know, in that moment, like if you sound definitive then like, Oh no, I sound like I know what I mean. Like, Oh, but this is factual. Someone can look that up and see that you don't know what you mean. So the more confident you are, the worse you're going to look. Yeah. But anyway, so Rick Perry had that moment Okay. and it was, and then he said like, oops, you know, and so then it was all, then his campaign was like all about managing that moment in the next debate. You know what? I'll say this fucking Texas guy. He was like really charming about it. Uh, in the next debate, like they have a question and he goes, and a question that 
wasn't even really that much about it. He answers, he goes, he goes, and incidentally, this puts me in mind of the three departments I, I would like, and he like, and he lists them all, and like, and everyone's like it's laughing, big, yeah. and he's, and it's just a nice self-deprecating thing. But anyway, so, and his ad was about him talking about like, showing that and saying like, hey, you know, we all have these moments, you know, and, and he goes, I, I, he goes, I'm no different. I have, I make mistakes with my communication. And, and then he, he turns it. And because it's like Obama is such a good communicator, but his policy is so bad, you know, that kind of thing. I was like, all right, that's, that's about as good as you can do with that. You mentioned the Texas thing. Did you ever hear that story when George W. Bush was running for governor of Texas? Okay. And his opponent was hammering him on the fact that he was born in New York or Connecticut? Connecticut, I believe. Connecticut? Yeah. Um, and so when it came out, I can't remember if it came in, in, debate, in a debate or in just like a press conference or whatever. And this wasn't an off-the-cuff line. This was a, like, developed by Carl Rove and his team line. Oh, I have no doubt. Line, um, was that someone brought him up and he, and he said... Um, I'd have loved to have been born in Texas, but my mother was in Connecticut and I felt that I should be with her at the time. It's <laughs> a good line. It's a good line. Uh, yeah. Um, but that's, uh, that's that, I guess, Texas thing. Pull that out. Yeah. Anyway. Um, I remember, uh, the way, um, Dennis Miller once described the migration of George W. Bush from this. He we're said, talking about a lot of, yeah. Uh, politics, conservatives specifically. Yeah. Um, but uh, Dennis Miller just said, like, he went from Yale to y'all. And I remember being like, hey, that's, yeah. I guess, but I also feel like. Every once in a while, yeah. But I feel like, Dennis Miller, you're a professional. That's that's, yeah. a, that's a bumper sticker. It's clever. Oh, sure. But you, you should be able to do better. Well, and, and th- it's like, do you remember. Um, admittedly, it was a, in his defense, it was a throwaway line. It wasn't yeah. like the, the big punchline of a joke. It was one of his kind of toss-offs, which I'm more forgiving of those when they're like cheesy. I think uh, one year, uh, it was years ago. I think I never not funny. They were talking about Bill Maher as for Halloween going as the, um, the crocodile hunter guy after he had died with like the stingray thing uh-huh. coming out of his chest. And some people were upset. And like, I think Jimmy and I think it was Scott Ackerman was the guest okay. who were like, they were like, I'm not offended because it's offended. I'm offended because he's a professional comedian. And that's the <laughs> yeah. thing that the yeah. clown at your office would do. Yeah, you know? absolutely. That's a lame joke. Yeah. That's like when you dress like Monica Lewinsky with knee pads. Yeah. Oh, you get it. Uh, right. Um, and that was another thing like that. We're so off topic, but Bill Burr talking about, I think I want to say it was Bill O'Reilly was on the view and Whoopi Goldberg and Joy Behar like stormed off or whatever okay, in the yeah. middle of the segment. And Bill Burr was like, uh, not picking a side politically, but yeah. saying you are, you're comics. All you have is your words yeah. to abandon, to give up on the argument, to give up on making your point with your words is an insult to the tradition of a professional com- comedian. I agree. Um, with him. the, uh, that was a really fascinating thing uh, for me. Anyway, we're getting, we're, I feel like I, we're, it sounds like we're defending conservatives, which is the last thing I want to do, I'll do uh, it. in fine. general and especially not this week. Um, I will say, oddly enough, though, um, Dennis Miller was interviewed by Shapiro like uh, a month ago. And what I really liked is that, yeah, they, things were political, of course. But Dennis Miller also wound up like telling like old time like, SNL and stand up stories. Okay. And it's just, it's one of those things where, like, yes, he's conservative now, but it's kind of neat that when it comes right down to it, like the most liberal comedian and the most conservative comedian, when they tell stories about where they started, they're all going to be kind of the same. Okay. It's all yeah. like these, just these shitty dives and that kind of thing. And it was just kind of nice that he was able to put aside his politics and like not keep going back to it and just talked about where he came from. And you could tell he really softened. He like softened a lot as he was talking about that. Like he was very wistful for it. And, yeah. and, and to his credit, I remember like somebody said, uh, like, Hey, you know, uh, Dennis, uh, I don't think, I don't remember Ben said it, but like, like, Hey Dennis, you know, you're not really quite, you're not so in demand anymore as far as comedy clubs and stuff. Like, do you think it's the politics? And he's like, or it's cause I'm 65 because can you think of a lot of people that like really rocket it up to the top after they, after <laughs> they turn 60? Yeah. So yeah, he has a, he has a better perspective on it than I thought he was going to. Honestly, he also every, every year, Dennis Miller introduces movies at the TCM classic film festival. Yeah. Cause he's like a big old, like 
old monster movie guy. <laughs> yeah. And so that's like, <laughs> just crazy. so I was beat in and I'd be like, Oh fuck. I gotta listen to Dennis Miller. I'm like, Oh, he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. And he, it's not politics and it's, yeah. it's fine. Anyway, enough defending conservatives. Come on. <laughs> this is not the time for that. It was, uh, how did we get on politics or, or about campaign ads? Oh, campaign ads. That's about. right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I was re- reminded of the, um, yeah, the the things that go into th- those things that aren't filmmaking. Now, I know this is a fictional one, but did you ever watch Big Love? No, I didn't. Um, uh, so there's a part, you know, he's a. It takes place in Utah. Right. He's a, a Mormon or part of a, you know, Mormon sect that yeah. uh, a fringe sect that split off um, from LDS. Anyway, um, and he is very successfully owns a chain of hardware stores. Right. And there's a part where they're shoot, they're making a billboard for the hardware store and it's like a family and they put the actor, they gave two versions in one version. They put the actors in the like under their clothes. They were like the Mormon special underwear. You know right, what I'm talking right. about? Yeah, like, yeah. I know there's a certain name for them and it probably sounds glib to call it special underwear because like, I know there is a term for it. It's not it's, as glib when people have referred to it as magic underwear. Oh, right. Yeah. So, um, and even though it's not visible, the argument is that, the Mormons who are used to seeing all of their friends and family in these will pick up on the fact that there's, you know, where the shirt is tucked in. It's a little bit like bulkier because of right. whatever, like they'll subconsciously they'll, they're going to trust this, this home Depot or this, sorry, that this, this hardware store yeah. uh, more because, uh, uh, because of this tiny little touch. Um, and I'm sure that kind of stuff goes into campaign ads all the time. Oh, undoubtedly. Yeah. All right. Um, should we wrap up? So, okay. Looking at my list, there are a couple that might fit with what we're talking about. This is still a, a, a list that I would like to uh, return to in some capacity at some point. So here we go. Number one, the, okay, this is, again, this is more like a, a larger lesson um, that I learned. And it's something we've referenced before. And it is the movie, The Omen, but not the movie. It's the commentary. Oh, okay, yeah. And it's when um, Richard Donner is talking about the fish. That oh, there, yeah. There's a moment where the uh, fishbowl drops and shatters, and then you see the goldfish inside just, like, laying there uh, amidst the, the broken glass and water. And Richard Donner said, you know, I that's a fake fish. He's like, yeah. I'm not going to kill a fish for a movie. And I remember just, like, more so than almost anything in that movie. Yeah. Uh, I, honestly, in the movie, I think that commentary is better than the movie. I, I agree. so much good stuff it's in It's really commentary. interesting. And he's just a naturally charismatic so guy. Stuart Baird. Yeah. The editor. Yeah. Went it is a executive decision. It is a... I hope they... I mean, that was a DVD. I hope they kept that commentary for the Blu-ray. Yeah, I, I, um, I hope so, yeah. But it was just... I remember in that moment, like, that attitude... And it was just so straightforward. And like, you know, compare that to the scene in, you know, Apocalypse Now, where if nothing else, they at least they shot a ceremony as opposed yes. to like, you know, instigated this. Yeah, but I do think that cow was going to die yeah. anyway. But yeah. However, the adventures of Milo and Otis. Oh, God. Oh, they killed so many cats. I've never seen it. And they didn't care. You know, they were willing to kill so many. Like, in a, in a film all about like the cuteness and resilience and value of these animals, they showed a complete lack of value, uh, of the performers. And so, um, so that attitude about life, not just human life, but any Uh life as like, Hey, we are, what did I write here? The idea that like, if art is a celebration of, of life, one shouldn't take life to create art. Um, or, or her, and not that art is necessarily a celebration of life, but it's, if nothing else, an exploration of it in some way, shape or form. And to, and so when the director of the omen values a goldfish, yeah. like undoubtedly, if it were a real goldfish and it's like flopping around, it, pro- it would probably look a bit more dramatic, but he's not willing to do that. Like he but wanted also, I to would be, as a viewer, we, be, we might be I more, might be taken yeah. out of the movie and be like, yeah. I hope they got that goldfish back in the water. Yeah, like the end of that uh, faith. No more video. You remember? Uh, yeah. I yeah. Remember. Uh, I haven't thought about that in a long time. Yeah. <laughs> I have not said faith. No more in a very oh, long time. Said that because they, okay. they put out a good album 
two years ago, I think. That's yeah. right. Which I, yes, I, I didn't, I haven't listened to it, but I heard, uh, that it was very good. Um, uh, so that was yeah, one the, where was a, the, the first single was like, get the motherfucker on the phone was like the chorus. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a pretty good album. That definitely sounds like, uh, the song of a band that's been around a while. Like <laughs> yeah. that's, that's not your first uh, song on your first album. Um, so, uh, and then also, um, here's one. This was a documentary. This it's more of a short promotional film, uh, directed. One could say, no, I think it's, I'll very definitively, definitively say directed by me and featuring camera work by you. It's called luxury on a leash. And (laughs) (laughs) back when, back when we lived in Chicago, I was uh, like commissioned to make this uh, short film for for solely for promotional purposes for this woman who was getting into the business of like breeding and selling uh, a tiny little dog called a Miki. And so the disputed, we'll get to that in a minute. That's what I'm going to be talking about. The disputed uh, creator of this breed uh, lived in Milwaukee. And so I was going to be driving to Milwaukee and and like film like an interview with her. Um, And I was like, I don't want to do this by myself. (laughs) So I recruited David and we went and we, we, did this and then I, I put the interview together. I don't think, I don't know if they ever wound up using it for anything, at least not in the capacity they were talking about. Like they, um, they wanted to put it online. I've never found, I've not that I look very often, but, uh, I've never found it online. So I don't know if it's just something that she would send to like, I don't know, to potential buyers or whatever. Um, but you know, that's something where I, it was promotional, but I tried to approach it as just kind of a standard interview with B-roll and that sort of thing. But cut out of it was because it was pretty straightforward, the the final cut. But in the larger sense, uh, I did my own little cut of it, which involved so much of the sordid. Yeah, intrigue. Intrigue. How do you spell Miki? M-I, I I think dash K-I. I think that's it. But yeah, um, and it is just like this the this film was not meant it was only meant to like sell the breed and mission accomplished it did um at least to me i thought those dogs were adorable uh we were in a hotel room filled with them yeah um that's right and they were very small and they could get underfoot i was like i'm gonna accidentally kill one of these dogs (laughs) like i'm going to step back because i'm holding you know a camera i'm gonna step back and step on one of these dogs and i'm not gonna get paid and uh which is what it's all about of course um and so uh so yeah my the my my personal takeaway from that experience and one that i did try to incorporate into the you know the director's cut which no one has seen except in a in a dvd reel i had many years ago um yeah it's uh the the un the thing that i took away from that was so much more than uh what they intended all right well you guys try to find a luxury on a leash online i yeah. can't find it um i'm also going to be donating to elizabeth warren to make up for saying uh nice things about conservatives on this episode um, did you say nice things what did we say I said that thing that George Bush, George W. Bush said was funny. Hey, <laughs> it was a good line. Good line's a good line. Yeah. And yeah, uh, um, Karl Rove did a lot of, uh, I'm sure he came up with a lot of good lines when he was, yeah. uh, uh, managing the campaign. Um, anyway, uh, I'm absolutely looking yeah. at Mickey's now, but, uh, <laughs> in any way, in any case, um, you can find us at battleshipretention.com. Let's see what's on the website this week. We had a, a fun week. We've got um, we've got a review. Uh, our, our, a friend of ours named uh, friend of yeah, a friend of ours named Luis Olvera is at Cannes. Uh, he sent us a review of the Dead Don't Die. Um, Jim's still doing a month on George Romero over at I Do Movies Badly. Uh, we got reviews of The Third Wife. Uh, Alex wrote about I Am Cuba. I wrote about Kid Brother. Um, 
and there's reviews this week of photograph all creatures here below the souvenir and trial by fire that's all at the website this week you can find uh you can email us at david at battleship or tyler at battleship you can email me sorry you can find follow me on twitter at davy pretension you can follow tyler at tyler pretension um on real quick on the patreon this week it's our bp tv journal we talked a lot about um a lot about the amazing race also surprisingly a lot about mtv's ridiculousness yes uh, and true tvs and practical jokers um and some other stuff uh we'll eventually get to some prestige tv i'm sure yeah. uh on the tv journal but so far we're having fun talking about trash and reality tv yeah, absolutely uh the, the patreon next, is a lot of fun we have oh, fun on the patreon and next week is going to oh, yeah. be even more fun yeah, so stay tuned uh now's the time to get in anything over more than one lesson uh not right now so that article that i uh wrote last week um yeah. about uh non-payment within the christian film world uh caught the attention of a uh <clears throat> of a christian film festival that takes place in pennsylvania uh and so in did o- you know it existed this christian? i think i had heard of it okay. they're only th- like three years in oh, uh okay. and so they asked if i wanted to be a panelist and uh, in October. Uh, and then thankfully because of the nature of my article in their email, they said, you know, uh, we will pay for your flights and your, <laughs> and your hotel. And I was like, yeah, you damn right. Um, where in Pennsylvania? Uh, I don't actually, I don't remember now, but, uh, but That's yeah, exciting. I, I am excited for it. Um, and I will say that I've gotten enough response to that article from people working within the Christian film industry, um, that it has inspired me to write, uh, maybe two follow-ups that aren't necessarily about that, but are similar, which is to say when like the way the industry part of the Christian film industry, like dictates to you content payment attitude, that sort of thing, because, uh, I've gotten a lot of people now, uh, telling me stories and they are, discouraging wow yeah that's exciting so yeah read that that article in these follow-up articles when they are posted at more than one lesson.com all right thanks for listening we'll get you next time bye bye This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 